0: All right. So a pastor in Ohio faces criminal prosecution after he continued to allow unhoused people to sleep at his church without getting the city's permission. This is the city of Bryan, Ohio. No relation, even though they do spell it correctly. Well, let's be clear. Ohio has some issues. Uh, You know, what makes me sad is the city of Bryan, Ohio. Like, do better, Bryan. (laughs) Do, Do better, better Brian. Brian. <laughs> given Brian Given Brian's a
1: bad name. Yes. <laughs> Do All better right. Brian. <laughs>
0: Welcome to episode 279 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft fruit pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. On today's episode, Reverend Ogan Holder and myself, Reverend Brian Perkoff, address and engage what's happening through a theological lens with a good brew in hand.
1: Yes, Shannon is not with us today. It's just us boys. And whether you're long time, listener or new to the show uh you can get even more content i don't know why but if you did uh head over to patreon.com slash pt live for a few dollars a month you get access to pre and post show banter uh like last week's marathon football discussion session between <laughs> brian and shannon i was not on the show that's the only time stuff like that happens um uh, <laughs> But when today's pre-show goes up, you'll hear all about my fabulous weekend of meeting Nikki Haley. Yeah, that happens. Stranger things. There you go. Uh, So Pub Theology. Sorry, patreon.com slash ptlive uh, for more content. uh, While supplies last, you can even get a pint glass. And now you can actually uh, do like a free preview of each episode so you could check it out a little bit to decide if you want to sign up to be a patron or not. So again, patreon.com slash peaky live and as always thank you to our current patrons today we're discussing being sued for helping the unhoused social media shifts and
0: church splits all the all the light stuff yeah. uh what right. are you drinking right <laughs> well i'm drinking what was meant to be a celebratory beverage for my team oh, honolulu blue craft cocktail oh this there. Detroit Lions adult Kool-Aid by Coppercraft Distillery right here (laughs) in Holland. But you know what? I'm not going to drink it in sorrow, even though we blew the biggest lead ever in an NFC championship game. I'm going to drink it to celebrate a great season by my Detroit Lions. And just found out our offensive coordinator is coming back next year, which means let's run it back. So check this out. Check check out how blue that is. Oh, my God. (laughs) <laughs> it's like that, that, blue rat, blue like- raspberry and vodka, like crazy concoction. <sighs> I did. So wait, is
1: it is it a is it an ale? What is it? A spiked ale? Is it like a what? What is? It no, do? it's
0: it's like it's a like a, a vodka drink. Ah, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Ten gotcha, percent gotcha. ABV. Oh, okay then. <laughs> right, not for the kids. And-
1: and blue, what could possibly go wrong? And blue, yeah, what could
0: possibly go wrong? Absolutely. That reminds
1: me of, you remember Breaking Bad? Oh my gosh, <laughs> <And> exactly. I <laughs> made the blue meth. The blue. <sighs> the blue, blue meth, oh my god. Um, I think I had this last thing uh, from local Craftsbury uh, Dreadhop Brewing, the South Coast Summer
0: Ale. Mm. Um, and yeah. return it. Returning returnin return an item a summer ale in january sounds
1: great again we we covered this some some places do have summer in january
0: (laughs) i know i know but it just for those of us who have the opposite of summer it sounds awesome right and again i gotta say and
1: i need to talk somebody in their branding department we live in the tropics summer is not a thing that we have
0: oh i lost you you there might have lost Ogan for a moment. He was just saying, summer's not a season that's really a season in Barbados because it's just always lovely weather. Oh, he's coming back. What do you got, Ogan? The old Barbados internet. Wi Fi died, coming back up. All right. We've all been there. If you're just tuning in, welcome to Pub Theology Live. This is episode 279. No Shannon today. She. Had an obligation, uh, but she, like myself, had great hopes going into Sunday. Our teams facing off uh, an NFC and AFC championships, hoping our teams would meet in the Super Bowl. So I was rooting for the Ravens, obviously, then rooting for my Lions. Both came up short, but great seasons for both teams. And I think both are pretty loaded to come back next year. So it's the old mantra we're used to in here in Detroit. There's always next year. But for the first time in a long time, we've got real hope that that actually means something so our opening question which i'll get to with Ogan in a moment is how do you get up off the mat after a big disappointment you know there are levels of big disappointments but oh here he is all right sorry about that hey you're back that's all right i i
1: I am i am back i got a little power power blip
0: i gotcha you You were just saying uh, when you froze that uh you got to talk to the brewery folks about their branding because Barbados yes, really don't have summer. We don't have seasons. We have oh, right You've you only summer.
1: <laughs> exactly. We have. <laughs> we have. It's raining less or it's raining more. That's that's it. So that's good. Yeah, there you, you know, go. There you go. They could. I think they could just call it ale. I don't think the summer. Uh, right is needed. Well, is that uh, is
0: that a nod to the non locals? Like welcome to our island of summer. <laughs> you know i i think it might be but it might also be for you know
1: um beer aficionados who like to characterize everything when yeah. they see summer ale they you know they get an idea of the flavor profile and what's they going on
0: so is that like a um, brighter like a wheat sort of uh yes yes um it it is
1: um not as weedy as like you know uh, like a blue moon or- like a blue moon or any half of or anything like or, that, yeah, not, yeah. not to that extent. But, but yeah, it's still it's still tasty. It got a got a tiny little hoppy back flavor. Um, So yeah,
0: but here we are. Here we are. Cheers. Glad you're back. Likewise. <laughs> On to today's topics. All right. So, how do you get up <laughs> off the mat after a big? disappointment hint hint I'll, and i'll keep it limited hint hint. <laughs> hint hint a devastating loss that prevented your team from going to the super bowl or fill in the blank you know it could be some other thing like a, a a job that you were interviewing for that you thought you had landed and suddenly you get the not the phone call you get the email that says you know thank you for your time but we're moving on in a new direction or we're looking at other candidates you know or, or whatever or you don't
1: I was going to say, or you don't hear from them at all because they're like, due to the number of applications, we will only respond to the ones we're interested in. You're like, yeah, right. they're hanging.
0: Right, right. Um, so so how do you, know, like, how do you, like when you just like, you had your hopes set on something, it falls through, like, how do you turn the page or or how do you spend the moments where you're low before turning the page? <laughs> Which was me so, yesterday. <laughs>
1: I was going to say, I was going to say, Brian, Here begins Brian's therapy session. Um, So, from for me, so the key is in a thing you said there when you get your hopes up. So, for me, the getting up off the mat after disappointment begins before the thing. So, it's about moderating my expectations. It's about leaning into.
0: Uh oh, it might be uh, the season of blips there in Barbados. But I like what Ogan was saying about moderating expectations. That makes a lot of sense, and I think I went into uh, Sunday, my team playing the Niners, medium expectations, maybe even low expectations. But when your team goes up twenty-four to seven at halftime, man, you are your hopes are sky high. Man, we're going to the Super Bowl. I mean, I knew we had to have to play. But you got to work really hard to blow a 24 to seven lead at the half, especially when it looks so easy, when you were dominating them, when every play you called was working, you have a great running game. You got two great running backs. I said to a friend at halftime, we need one more touchdown in the third quarter, preferably, and then just keep running the ball and we will win this game. And I believe if that had happened, a touchdown in the third quarter, I believe we would have won that game. But we didn't. And so then you're kind of miserable for a while. You're low. And how do you get back up off the mat? So for a while, you just kind of wallow in the sadness. You just kind of sit with it. You kind of, you have to commiserate. And so I listened to sports radio yesterday just to get it out of my system, right? To hear all of the rehashing of, man, if we had only done this, if we hadn't fumbled, if we hadn't dropped those passes, if we hadn't had a ball bounce off our face mask, that inexplicably gets caught by the Niners. You know, all these unlikely things happened. Um, and so you just kind of live through it. All right. Third time's charm. Third time's the <laughs> charm. So you were saying key is moderating expectations. So so continue from
1: yes. there. Yes. So uh, leaning into the non-attachment of things, realizing I have no control, but also realizing that regardless of what the outcome is, I'm going to be okay. And that the outcome is not a determinant of my worth or my value that, you know, in, in your case, uh, you know, we, we, this is, it's, it's, it's just football. It's just a game. Just the game. Sacrilege for saying it. It's just the game and they play pay athletes way too much as it is, but regardless, it's, it's just the game. And Perspective. So once I can put things in perspective, now what the, the perspective, so for example, if it was a job that was going to, you know, had a big impact on the financial welfare of me or or my family, um, yes, I think that would be harder to get over. But right, right. again, it all begins with, do I do I just have this innate belief, trust, faith that regardless of what any given outcome is, uh, I'm going to be okay. I do have a community of support. It's not the end of the world. There'll be another Super Bowl next year. Uh, again, in your case, like the Lions haven't done this well in how long? So, yeah. so you know, like you said earlier, still, still something to celebrate in, in a good run. Um, so yeah, so it, so it begins, it begins even before the thing happens. Um, and yes, easier said than done, but as you practice it more and more over the years, it, it really, it really takes effect. And, um, now this is not to say as, as a Buddhist teacher of mine once shared, um, because we're striving not to have attachments doesn't mean we don't have desires. Right. So you can, you can, you can find that middle ground between desire and attachment, have a preference, uh, you know, know what you want, pick a team to win. <laughs> uh, you know, non-attachment doesn't mean you just go in at like uh, a neutral zombie level, pick a team, right, pick right, whatever. Yeah. an outcome, but, but at the same time, remain detached from it so yeah yeah that's that's where i go with it
0: it's a balance it's a a balance balance. i was i was saying while while you were out for a a bit that i I like that idea of keeping the expectations low and you know so my expectations going into the sunday's game was pretty low but when your team rockets out of the gate and has seemingly an insurmountable lead the expectations just get really high and then when it And then when it doesn't happen, the crash is a little harder, but I like, I like that move of, of moderating expectations of, and then of telling yourself, you know, okay, look at the big picture and look at all the good things in your life and, you know, find joy, find your identity in, in what is, and not in what isn't. Um, So good words, good words. Thank you. And it's just a game, Brian. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just a game. It's just, it's just a
1: game. This is why in a weird way, I don't have any, so my games are tennis and basketball. Yeah. And I don't have any hardcore fan affiliation with any particular team. Right. There's a natural allegiance to the places I've lived. So when it comes to basketball, you know, long suffering, you know, Washington wizards fan. Right. Right. Celtics a little bit like Celtics always. The last few years have been killing it, but they haven't gotten over the hump yet to right. a championship, right? So, so yes, yeah, so I can root for teams. And I lived in Kansas City for a while, so if I'm gonna root for any team in the Super Bowl, I gotta you know lean towards the teaser. But just for like nostalgic legions, um, so I can have I can root for teams and want teams to succeed and be enthusiastic while watching the game and all the things and again enjoy the sport for the sake of the sport and then regardless of who wins i can say like that was a great game or you know everybody sucked on that (laughs) on the court today like nobody was playing well you know all the things
0: But it's a little different level than my fandom where, like, I grew up rooting for these teams, whether it's, you know, the Detroit Tigers, Michigan football, Detroit Lions. So I feel like it's in my blood, like it's part of who I am. Like, there's way too much personal identity and personal investment in these teams over decades. And so I am too invested, like probably like many fans in an unhealthy way. And so (laughs) It is a good moment to practice. The bigger picture and letting go and moving on
1: (laughs) and 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 to be clear what you described like you you have you have like a community identification right you have this fellow fan base yes uh you know things that unite uh unite you to other people connect you to other people and again which are the positives. ain't nothing right ain't nothing wrong with that those are good things until you know you cross that line right. from
0: allegiance to obsession from fan to fanatic <laughs> exactly that's that's when you get yourself in trouble exactly no doubt no doubt and uh, all in all january this january has been the best month of football in my lifetime so i really cannot complain
1: there you go drink drink that blue stuff Dr- i'm so. just going to keep drinking the kool-aid there
0: you go <laughs> All right. So, a pastor in Ohio faces criminal prosecution after he continued to allow unhoused people to sleep at his church without getting the city's permission. This is the city of Bryan, Ohio. No relation, even though they do spell it correctly. Bryan, Ohio said police began to receive an influx of calls last spring regarding what the church called Dad's Place. Don't love the branding there. Uh, those, <laughs> call, those calls. Those calls were about concerns such as larceny, harassment, and disturbing the peace. But the church felt compelled to serve the homeless in a larger way because there's a severe housing shortage in the city. And so the pastor's lawyer says it's really tragic that the city isn't complimentary of the church doing church things. Instead, they've used every means of their power to go after this church. So what do you think about this? Like, I feel like I can see the city's view and the church's view where, where do your sympathies lie more or what could this pastor and church have done better in this situation? Um, well, my sympathies lie with the church. Um,
1: first of all, cause I feel like if the, um, if the city has a problem, they should be doing better. Yep. Like, you know, you, you, you don't, you're not making the means to house these people so you shouldn't get on somebody's case for doing it and i feel like if there's like you know i understand the idea of ordinances and building codes and all of that you know some things are commercial some things are residential whatever it's all made up so change change the code change the ordinance right um, and if there's a severe housing shortage i don't i don't understand well i kind of i kind of do right cuz i mean we we live in a world especially in the states that is increasingly hostile to the poor we want to invisibilize the poor yes we do right like we don't we don't we don't want we don't want and and a lot of that has to do with um we don't want reminders of our complicitness in a system that allows this kind of poverty to exist. Um, I'm reading a book right now as part of our book study um, uh, at my at my other online job, <laughs> uh, Project Sanctus, called Hospice and Modernity, and it talks about these things. It talks about we we have become used to you know technologies, creature comforts that allow us of a certain class and income to experience some conveniences in life, but they come at a cost, right? They come at a cost of of labor, of exploitation, uh, all the things. And we don't want to be reminded that more often than not, when we see unhoused people, it's because we've helped create a system that makes it that much harder for them to survive. And counter to this, I just read about, I think it was the city of Austin, Texas, who for the last couple of years have been experimenting, just given... Certain, I, I'm not sure it's everyone in the city or the unhoused. Basically, like a thousand dollars a month in basically like universal basic income, and the vast majority of that money they're spending on finding places to live. Right. So it's 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 that thing about, oh, we can't we can't give this unhoused person money or a handout because the narrative is they will do bad things because if they did good things. They wouldn't be in that situation in the first place. They can't be trusted Mm. um, to be responsible because look where they are. Again, ignoring the fact that we have set up these systems that makes it that much harder and increasingly difficult. For so many people, right? You gotta, I mean, you you gotta have two jobs to you know make rent these days for a lot no, of people. No doubt. And, and
0: yeah, the the part I didn't read, and you hinted at this was that the church is located in a district that prohibits residential use on the first floor of any building. And so they're saying technically, you know, we can, you know, we can um, bring this prosecution against you because you're technically breaking the law. But you wonder what level of, uh, you know racism, uh, anti-poverty, anti-poor folks motivation is there. and it's like we look, we just need we want to do this anyway, but we've got this excuse that we can bring this lawsuit, stop you from doing what you're doing when there's all kinds of other, you know ugly, frankly, motivators behind it. Well, let's be clear. Ohio has
1: some issues, right? And they just didn't they just cite a whole total like anti trans health care bill or something uh, wow. really close like that. So, you know, Ohio got issues. Oh. Um, but, but yeah, I also wonder what's on the second floor of the church that, yeah, right. Like, <laughs> Is that is that the sanctuary? Is that like what is on the second floor? Do that, well, you know?
0: Maybe they don't have a second floor. You know, like if, most churches don't have. They have a main floor and maybe a church basement. Not a lot of churches have. I mean, I guess gotcha. Depend. It depends. Some have multiple floors, it, so I don't it, know. It
1: depends. But yeah, send them upstairs. I might be reading when he said first floor. I was, I was maybe reading into like there might be multiple floors, but I figured if they were, they'd do that. Um, so yeah, it is. And I guess my follow up question is: this must be this must be a commercial area, right? Commercial business area that you're not allowing. Um, residential use on the first floor so like you know you go through some areas and like towns and cities right you know you got, like got your businesses and then apartments on top but then it comes back to me wandering also you know is this is this a nimby situation you know not in my backyard situation with other businesses who are like we don't we don't want these unhoused people loitering around because it's going to scare off customers. So I'm really wondering
0: if there's a piece of that too. Yes, it's bad for business. We can't have these folks around here, you know. You know, what makes me sad is the city of Bryan, Ohio. Like, do better, Bryan. (laughs) Do Do better, Bryan. (laughs) Given given Bryan's a bad name. (laughs) Yes. Come on. You know how I am aware of Bryan, Ohio? That is where they make dumb dumb suckers i mean what now you know the little the little lollipops that are dumb dumb suckers they've got it's like it's a little sucker there's nothing on it's not like a tootsie pop there's nothing on the inside it's just there's all kinds of different flavors there's like pictures of like i don't know what is this a fruit you'd get these at the bank like you'd go to the bank and it's like uh, oh gotcha yeah, you got yeah, kids in the yeah. car Here's three suckers. And on the wrapper, okay. we'd always look at Made in Bryan, Ohio. So that's how I uh, know. Gotcha. The home gotcha, of gotcha. dumb, dumb suckers. Well, guess what, Brian? Stop being dumb, dums <laughs> <laughs> Dumb, dumb suckers. Dumb, dumb politicians. Dumb, dumb
1: police. Oh, suckers, period. The home, Come on. The home, of, the home of dumb dums Yes. Don't no, dumb my dumb. sympathy. My sympathy is. And, and here's the other piece of it that I am very sure whoever is. You know, whether it's the city mayor, whoever the people that are running the city, will probably be the first to want to espouse Christian values, and yes, and then
0: they'll do this in the name of Christian values, right? Exactly, exactly. They
1: will, they will. Well, they will run in the name of that uh, for office, but then <laughs> not actually go like. So, do our city ordinances and practices um, maintain? Those values, to at least this extent, around housing the unhoused un- and welcoming the stranger, maybe not as much, but um, I think I think if it's if part of the complaint is around other businesses in the area, they're missing out on a golden opportunity for some good PR, right? Yes. Because. Yes. If you end up supporting the church and vying for a change, like you will get such good press that people will want to come and support your businesses. It's not looking good for, for, for those places. Assuming yes. that that's what it is again. Yeah. Don't know all the details, making assumptions,
0: but I know I think you're right. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta spin know. that in your favor and, and you know, which feels a little crass, but frankly, businesses are about the bottom line and you know what? Like, you can help human beings and spin it in your favor that's a win-win
1: exactly exactly and we know that doing good actually is good for your bottom line exactly there's
0: there's plenty evidence to support that yeah do better brian (laughs) do better brian exactly That's (laughs) That's I'm <laughs> tempting to have that be the episode title. <laughs> I was about to say, what tempted? That's it. We're saying <laughs> <laughs> do better, Brian. <laughs> Probably not gonna get much better than that. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. All right. Uh Zachariah one 4 in the Hebrew scriptures, uh or the old testament, if you like, says, Do not be like your ancestors to whom the earlier prophets proclaimed, This is what the Lord Almighty says, turn from your evil ways and your evil practices, but they would not listen or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. So what for you are the top things, this could could be a long list, what are the top things our collective human forebears that apply to this sentiment? Turn from your evil ways and your evil practices. Listen,
1: uh, I'm a black man with African ancestors. I like my ancestors, okay? So... (laughs) i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna lean into them there you go i I like it you had a good thing going on before the colonists showed up so i ain't i ain't bashing my
0: ancestors i I like it well done yeah i'll you know you can just uh, once again do better brian i'll (laughs) i could look at my dutch forebears and look at apartheid Mm -hmm. in south africa and say do better i could look at you know bad trade in the dutch west indies and uh yes, and say, yes, do, yes. Better, <laughs> and exactly. do better brian exactly do better white folks you know <laughs> and even There's, though you know my are. my folks didn't come to america till you know they were born in the netherlands so my folks mm-hmm. weren't here you know pre-civil war you know my family didn't own slaves in the US, that kind of thing. But I still feel a collective responsibility as a white US American for what white US Americans did, even if it wasn't my direct ancestors, because they're still my people and they still effed up in a countless ways, frankly, that we're still dealing with today. And frankly, we're still seeing play out in towns all over America, like Brian, Ohio, not to keep piling on Brian. That's just reflective, right, of our national history in this country of mistreating people of color, mistreating the poor and it's not just in the past. it's still happening right now and then in fact, I think pre-show so this is a tease for folks who want the full story, please become a patron. but pre-show Ogan was back in the states and he had the chance to meet Nikki Haley who famously said America does not have a racist past.
1: Yes, yes what and that made it, and that made it worse by mentioning her she grew up with black friends. I was like no no I, yeah
0: <laughs> no
1: don't nope. say that's it, not, it's not nope. racist because I have black friends. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not, not no, no that old chestnut' <laughs> not, yeah exactly that, <laughs> exactly um Also uh, side note I think we found um backup backup episode title Piling on Brian there we go. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go, with, let's go with that. I think I'd like
0: to do better, Brian, but but you're right. There are... Yes, yes. Back no up. Back up, okay. Yeah, there we Um,
1: But, but, all right, so chronologically, I forget where Zachariah lands in terms of the history
0: of, you know... Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. I think it's the, during, like, during one of the great, the exile in Babylon, so it's one of the right later minor prophets. So, Let's say what I was saying two or three hundred years before Jesus or something.
1: Right. So so then basically if it's during or or post exile, but during exile, then again it's the who can we blame for this mess we're in. Ah, Right. So, you know, this whole idea of if we are a people and the invincible Almighty God is on our side and he led us to victory in decimating these people and we could steal their land um, and say it's ours. um, And then somebody else comes and does the same thing to us. Then clearly people who came before us or ancestors or forebears must have messed up big in some way that God allowed this to happen to us. We are being punished for their sins. Right. Um, So therefore, we can't be we got to be not like them in order to keep god on our side and hold on to to our land so so there's a whole there's that whole like um conditional god's love message here right yeah <laughs> like, yes do, do the right do the right thing follow the commandments you know don't sin do what god tells yeah. you and god will look out for you and You know, less ignore the fact that these are, you know, tribal Bronze Age people. And that's what they did at that time. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Ran around conquering all the things. Speaking of which, I'm very much looking forward to watching Alexander the Great. Whenever that comes out, I hear that's going to be great. Um, But that's what that's what they did at the time. Right. Expansion, OG colonizing, the whole thing. Yeah. Although arguably some of them did it, I can't believe I'm going to say this a lot. Some of them did it a little bit better in terms of like, we'll take your land and your resources, but you can keep on being exactly who you are. Like you don't have to worship our gods. You don't have to do any of that mass. Like just pay your taxes and don't start rebellions and we'll be okay. Um, right. But never, never a good thing to be colonized by another bunch of people. so i think i think that's that's what this is about let's let's you know in in our theological framework what is it we have to do how did we get here and what do we have to do to make sure we don't get here again and i think that's yeah that's what that's that's about bingo
0: bingo yeah nailed it so there's a long list you know our collective human forebears obviously um it's a long list and uh, a lot of work to do, as you said, very well in the present to recognize not only the past, but how are we living into that now? And how are we how are we replaying it in unhealthy, unjust ways now?
1: Yes, yes. And and not only that, but in doing that, what are what are we creating for our descendants?
0: Yeah, Right. Right. But, you what know, will they like, say when they when they think about their forebears?
1: They will deny all knowledge of us, any
0: <laughs> association.
1: <laughs> They're gonna be like, don't Never heard of them. Don't know who this. I don't know who these are. Yeah.
0: Also, our descendants (laughs) will be robots, and so you know,
1: (laughs) you know, if if they're here at all, they might be on Mars by then. I don't. I don't know. But but to to go back to this book, which again I can't highly recommend enough, uh, *Hospice and Modernity*. Um, Yeah. So the the whole premise of the book is that modernity, as we know it, this you know how we live today is clearly unsustainable. Right. So um, it's killing the planet. It's killing us. And even though we have, you know, massive population expansion, we at this rate with our population expansion, the demise of natural resources, uh, the widening wealth gap, all the things like it's clear that this is not going to end well. And it is, it is unsustainable and it's beginning to fail. So therefore, can we consciously hospice this uh, era that we're in and as we're doing this, be mindfully creating a more sustainable, equitable way of living? And a lot of that uh, is a realization that we can't do it within the context of what we currently have. We need something sort of like new all together. And we will never get there until we admit our own complicitness, like all of us. And we don't have to necessarily, so for example, like, you know, you and I are recording this call um, almost in real time, virtually thousands of miles away using, using technology, right? Computers, internet, all the things. And this technology dunked the very machine computer in front of us came at a cost of exploitation, right? Yeah. How many? How many? You know, people are uh, basically next to slave labor in the Congo mining precious metals that make these computers run and and all the things. You know, um,
0: especially uh, Brian's computer. Do better, Brian. <laughs> Do better,
1: Brian. <laughs> so so we we have to realize that that the things that we that we use today that allow us to exist uh, do our jobs and so on are perpetuating the problem. And it's not an easy solution of like, then let's just stop using them. No, that's just not the answer. Cause it's, it's, we're, we're so intricately tied into those systems now that we can't really extricate ourselves from them, but they're killing us. So, so yeah. So we got to take a kind of really hard look at ourselves and go like, you know, what do we, what do we want to do with this? Um, How can we look at ourselves to go like, you know, what 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 is what is my level of involvement here, and how can I mitigate my own, um, uh, you know, involvement, usage, whatever? Um, One of one of the lines that kind of sent me into a little bit of an existential tailspin was like, um, can we define ourselves as humans outside of this culture of modernity? Ooh. And I was like, shit, no, I can't. I don't I don't know what it's like to exist without yes. all this the things. life. Yeah. Without all, all the, things. the things. Yeah. Right. Without, without all the all the things. Starting from like the industrial revolution on, like all the things. I don't yeah. I don't know if I could if I could, even if I want to, and that's the that's where it starts. Do I even want to
0: right. in, the, in the first place? Yes. You know, because it's almost I like, like It's almost like, you know, uh, the matrix, just leave me plugged into the matrix. I I, I like, I don't know if I can live without it. Yeah.
1: Plug me back in and give me a medium rare steak. Like, and I don't want to remember. Yeah. So, so yeah. So it's, it's really asking, inviting us into these, into these deep places of, of checking in um, with, with ourselves and. You know then questions like you know what role does religion play in this and spirituality in both maintaining the, the the systems and also you know opportunities for liberation and transformation from the system so yeah all the all the things all the things mm. if you would like to join me in these existential angst mm. <laughs> come, come, come join us on the book study Monday nights head over to project and get some information there but and, and the book is hilarious because she has a whole section that's titled Why You Probably Shouldn't Read This Book. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> She's right. like, some people would not handle it well. <laughs>
0: wow. Very good. Very good. All right. Ethan Zuckerman in his column, Social Media is Getting Smaller and More Treacherous says that fragmented and focused social media platforms might be good for helping you find a knitting community but extremist groups are also using them to normalize darker content so wondering you know how how for you ogan have your social media habits changed over the years are there platforms you've migrated away from or toward and I think we've seen this with the takeover of Twitter slash X by Elon Musk, like what guardrails can or should be in place to prevent such quote unquote, darker content, or is there no way to really prevent that? I,
1: I, I think this is the perfect time for me to plug my, uh, sub newsletter necessary trouble and the, and the burgeoning uh, community I'm trying to create there as well, you yeah. know, get away from, from the normal platforms, your own knitting but community my own knitting community yes (laughs) yes (laughs) let's let's go let's go make needles and yarn (laughs) make a nice throw uh so so yeah it is i think not here here's the catch 22 right we you know in the us we we have you know a constitutional amendment that allows free speech right? right we're not gonna we're not gonna be or we shouldn't be legally uh, restricted from expressing our opinions and we shouldn't jump to shutting folks down exactly that is a good thing right and it is also a double-edged sword (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) but wait there's more yeah so so now you know all 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 the dark Content comes up, right? All the racists, the homophobes, all the people, the sexists, the misogynists, yeah, the neo Now, right. They they now have the space of platform to say whatever they want to say, as as we see. And they have taken, I wouldn't say taken over social media, but but their, their presence there has acceler- uh, allowed their views to be spread more widely. Um, it allows for the conversion, the what's the word, radicalization of people who might be in search for meaning and belonging. And um, And social media platforms for a while, at least, I still think they're doing it, capitalized on the, um, the discourse the arguments the chaos. The, the chaos right when they would say nonsense or they would invade the comments of somebody and then arguments happen and they would realize, oh look people get more activated when they're disagreeing let's capitalize on that and and promote those discussions so we can make more money so there's that but i think again more and more people now are realizing oh wait this is actually harming us more than helping us right so um speaking of my subset i just wrote a little bit about this in relation to ai but with again back to that double-edged sword because of social media we had the me too movement right we had black lives matter we had arab spring we had a lot of great movements so i think it comes down again to realizing these are just tools how we use them is what really matters. But we also have to realize that we're in many ways being manipulated by the creators of these tools right. for profit. Let's just be clear. Yeah. None of these social media platforms are nonprofits, yeah. at least none of the big ones. So that's why the idea of if you want to, you know, find um, or create a your community aside from the profit uh, the at least the the obvious profit making motive, you know. Yeah, you got your Discords, you got your Mastodons, you got your Substacks, you got your mediums. You got you have other options that I think are that lean a little bit more into the original premise, which was connectivity. So so that question about how my habits have changed, for example, is that I would say definitely within the last two years, I'm spending less time on social media, (laughs) excuse me, uh, posting less. Um, Really, you know, when it comes back to that um, self-awareness, noticing how much in the past, my sense of self and value was determined by, you know, how many people like to post or reshare to post. Um, And, you know, and really checking in on the on the you know I'm getting this dopamine hit when I see people like my posts. Uh, where where else can I go that's a little bit healthier for the dopamine hit? Yeah. Or can I again moderate my expectations to know that uh, I'm not always going to get that dopamine hit? That shouldn't be my source of my dopamine hit. Right. Um, I I kind of support the idea of Instagram when it you know um it's you know you can you can hide your likes um your your like numbers on your uh on your posts and so it doesn't necessarily put pressure or or um on other people viewing if as the creator if I really wanted to go in and see how many people like to post I could do that um and I tend not to do that. So if I have a post up that does not, you know, on Instagram it says liked by this person and others as opposed to the, the number of people, then I fight the temptation to go like, well, how many others are there? Yeah. <laughs> uh and and to stay away from that. Um
0: and but so it's like so today, hard. It's so hard to do that, you know? Like whether it's personally or like for me as, you know, as a pastor, my church has social media pages. I'm more Mm -hmm. tuned into what is happening on the church's pages because I want us to can people to connect with us. I want to reach folks. I feel like I want, it's an Avenue for people to learn about that we exist or what we're about. And so I, I feel like I'm trying to put more energy into that and less in you know, personal posts, whatever, but.
1: And again, It's, it's, there's no like necessarily right around here, yeah. but then it's the, okay, so yes, you do that. And what do you tell yourself about yourself if you're doing this and you're not getting a lot of attention, you're not getting yeah. a lot of traction, no right? Doubt. Are you, no doubt. are you staying up at night going like, oh God, what am I doing wrong? What do I need to do differently? You know, or is, where's your attention um, in terms of how you respond to others' reaction uh, from this? So, like for example, um, and I'll say this again: things become easier with practice over time. Yeah. So, so like today, uh, you know, I wrote a new post and I said to share it on social media, and to my surprise, the last thing I had posted before then was another post that I wrote like four or five days ago. So between four or five days, I hadn't posted anything, and I was kind of shocked. Because it was like, wait, I don't often go this long without posting, but at no point was that I feel like, oh, my God, I should be posting something. I need to get something out every day. I need to keep getting the attention, which is where I used to be.
0: Right. Right. Yes. Yes. 100%.
1: And But what's also happening is the way social media works now and the algorithm changes. It doesn't matter if you post something every day or not. Um, There's just just so much social media noise out there. And again, with the determination to make money off of us, the platforms are amplifying the already popular voices to get more traction with them Um, as opposed to going, oh, look, let's amplify the people who are not getting attention so that we get more people getting attention, which I thought would have been a good strategy, but clearly I don't know
0: anything. Um, Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I definitely. And I'm also sorry. Go ahead. No, I mean, I, I think all of us have, have grappled with how do I in a healthy way for me use social media and we've all gone on waves of like overposting, overshare, you know, and it's all personal. Like I'm not calling what any person does oversharing. You have to determine what is for me a healthy balance, healthy boundaries, all of that. Um, you know, oh, I'll call off. I'll call out some
1: people for oversharing. I got no ah. problem
0: doing that. <laughs> there it is. All right. That's fair. <laughs> But like, for example, when I ran for office, I had to overshare like it was like, no, you need to be on all the platforms, you know, multiple times every day. And it just feels like this impossible thing to keep up with. And this like, well, how are we doing or who are we connecting with? And, you know, and now we're making paid ads that we're putting on whatever platform. And that just kind of wore me out on all of that. And it's like, I don't want that. I don't want to live my life in that way it's not healthy for me so like and i think a lot of people have used twitter less and less but like i have one tweet in the last no two tweets in the last year i think maybe a couple more but not a lot like i almost never even check twitter or x anymore and partly it's because knucklehead took over but partly also i just for me i failed to find a good way to integrate that platform in my life in a healthy way I don't Instagram a ton. I'm kind of a boomer. I use Facebook the most. Like that's where I found. Boomer. I'm not a boomer, but you know, I'm a Gen Xer. So I I use Facebook the most because I feel like Mm -hmm. I find community there. And for better or worse, you know, you can judge me all you want. But I find more of the people I integrate with in real life are on there. And folks that are real friends that are elsewhere are also there to some degree. And so for me, that satisfies my need for connection more than any other platform for better or worse. Okay, Boomer Brian.
1: <laughs> Do better, Brian. Do better, Boomer Brian.
0: It just never ends. There's
1: just so much material there. Oh my God. So again, no, I'm absolutely not going to judge you because if, if it's working for you in a healthy way, then by all means go for it um lean into it um and 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 part of what you're hinting at there is again this idea of we are being told who we should be and what we should do on these platforms right so if we are certain age we shouldn't be using facebook facebook's, right. for, the, facebook's for the older folk and you know younger folk were on instagram oh instagram is so yesterday now yeah. Now, TikTok and right. you know whatever whatever next is coming up and right. you know to your point I got off I got off X formerly known as Twitter, um a little while after after Musk you know took over and again this is so this is this is again that double edged sword of the of the free speech and
0: right.
1: yes the law allows for that space to express your opinions. However, the law doesn't say that your opinions are consequence free. And we have to keep remembering to make that distinction. So yes, when you get on these platforms and in your life and you're spewing hate speech, Yes, people have a right to push back, people have a right to ignore you, people have a right to
0: to not advertise you on your platform. Like Musk to is not Musk is dealing with that. The value of exactly. Twitter or X has tanked since he took over. Exactly.
1: Exactly. People have a right to respond in, in those in those, those ways. People have a right when you decide to ban, you know, trans um affirm in healthcare to leave your state or to run for office to try and defeat you and bring those things back. Like you have to understand that, uh, your, your free speech is not a license to hate and, and platforms. And I think platforms that make their money off the exploitation of hate speech and the chaos that it creates. I think those platforms Will come to their own eventual demise. Look at you, parlor, and all those other places. Right. Yes. Um, Truth social. Because truth, truth social. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So, yeah, I don't, I don't, it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know. Um yeah. but I think again it comes down to when we speak about ourselves as individuals, always asking those deeper questions. There's not a right or wrong quote unquote amount of how we get involved in social media, but it's you know what what is the value we're gaining from it? What is what is the messaging that we're telling ourselves about ourselves in relation to it so if we are on social media 8 hours a day and we have a great relationship with ourselves and you know not wrong then great yeah if we are on social media 15 minutes a day and all we do is look at posts that make us hate ourselves and think we are not
0: doing well yeah time to reevaluate absolutely yep i i hear you it's it's tricky stuff. And I think each person has to figure out what platform works for me, what um what allows me to have that healthy balance of connection that's positive and affirmation or getting my content out versus living and dying by likes and you know engagement and all the unhealthy aspects of social media use. And so you got to find where is that balance, where is that line. And not worry about, as you said, what others think about that, and not worry about being judged by that. Um, yeah, so I'm not on Threads, you know. I'm not on Mastodon. I don't have a Substack. I'm I'm just keeping it rolling here. <laughs> I was gonna say, I think I think the Wi-Fi is the
1: Wi-Fi is making the choice for us to continue or not.
0: <laughs> uh, no, I, listen,
1: man. I don't know what's going on today. It's never, it's never been this bad. This is, this is a a
0: record, uh, record number of reboots. Yeah, no, all good. All good. But I was just saying, you know, just continuing the, what you had said that you got to decide what's right for you. What allows you that healthy balance of engagement, healthy uh, presence in your real life and how, how to support and maintain the things you value and the things you want to do and accomplish. And when it begins to, have negative impacts, then you have to draw the lines, you know, and it's okay to, you know, to just say, I don't have energy for that platform, or I can only limit myself to to these platforms or single platform or no platform. I mean, I have some college buddies who I can only reach them by texting because they are not on Facebook. They are not on Instagram. Yeah. Maybe they're on LinkedIn, you know? And so they find that right. as the one you know, professional social media outlet, but I have some who aren't even on that, you know, and that's okay. And they're happy and they're living their life and they're not worried about all the noise, social media noise, which frankly sounds kind of okay. It can be liberating. (laughs) Yeah. So find your healthy balance and live in that space. And, and I think let go of, as you said, the neat, like, whatever judgment you might perceive is coming from out there about what you ought to be doing.
1: Yeah. And, and, and create that healthy balance. Sometimes take sabbaticals from yes. social media, you know, yes. um, consider like there's seven days in a week, perhaps Sunday is no social media day. Uh, you know, yeah. there's three months in a, in a quarter, perhaps in every quarter you take a whole week off Um from social media and of course when you first start doing this you're gonna you're gonna feel the withdrawal yes. and and the withdrawal is real because you're not getting those dopamine hits that you get when you're on social media right yeah. so so there is literally a real chemical withdrawal but like anything else it gets easier with practice it gets easier with with perspective and it's it's absolutely doable and one of the things we have to also be mindful of is how much it's it's changing us and changed us as human beings and the way we relate to each other even even if we're not on on the platforms it's still it still affects us because we are connected to other people who are um, right. and how and how they interact with us is very much you know de- determined by that as well so yeah it's uh and I and again I always go back to the to the realization that um, despite their potential altruistic, um, I guess um, opportunities. Intentions. Well, not even intentions, because their intention from day one was to make money. So no, right, so yeah, 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 yeah. you know. But the fact that it can be a tool that is used for altruistic purposes as well um never forget that behind it are companies whose sole purpose is to make money off of us
0: never forget
1: never forget <laughs> we we are be- we're being used and manipulated so let that let that sink in for a little bit while we're at night just scrolling tiktok endlessly and we go down the tiktok rabbit hole yeah you know that's that's a company making money off of us yeah You know, and um, and we have we have agency to say, yeah, no, I'm not I'm not gonna not gonna buy into
0: that. And I think your invitation is a good one to be intentional. Take a take a Sabbath from social media, whether that's one day a week, take a week off. And if you've never evaluated your intentionally evaluated your engagement with social media, you just kind of do, dove into whatever and, oh, I got to be here. I got to be there. I got to keep it up. I got to, I mean, it can become its own rat race that just wears you out. Like take some time to evaluate, is this healthy? You know, what changes do I need to make to make it healthy? And also so like some of those
1: changes are very being very intentional on who you follow. Yeah. Right. And 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 the platforms they start to get around that because they're like, oh, you only want to follow these this group of people. Well, we're gonna put some shit in your feed that you didn't ask for, anyways. Right. Right.
0: Yes. One
1: hundred percent. To try and suck you in some more and and all those things. And you can say you can say no to those. Um, yeah. You know, there are. You know, you talk about guardrails. There's there is. Um, you know, you can you can turn off suggestions for periods of time, which I always do. Any anytime my feed starts getting filled up, like you might like this. Nope, nope, you can turn these off for the next few weeks. Yeah. Like I I, I know who I'm I'm following and and I will follow also the people that they follow because chances are I can connect I can connect with their messaging. So um, the part of the downside, I guess, to that is we become a little more in our own perspective bubbles. Of information sure. um but also you know social media not necessarily the primary source of your information like have a have a variety of sources i know we give i know we give the media outlets a hard time which they rightly deserve um you know because those also have now become uh, corporate entities who are just focused on the bottom line with a perspective
0: and agenda bottom line
1: exactly you know so
0: but but, they they do they can they still have the ability to sort of transcend the the bubbling of social media um they they do they do Especially if you look outside the
1: US, find find some hmm. news and information sources that are outside the American lens, go read The Guardian, go go read Al Jazeera, go like l- watch, like the, the difference between you watch like a, you know, CNN newsfeed versus like an Al Jazeera newsfeed is <laughs> like night and day, you go like, wait, are we living on the same planet?
0: Yeah yeah so healthy to do that what does the world think you know and i remember saying suggesting this to folks at certain points they'll be like well they just don't understand oh my god oh so the rest of the world doesn't understand looking in from the outside like hey us you are just you know well uh, (laughs) to be fair doing a nosedive (laughs) into
1: yeah, to be fair, you look at the US and it's like, I don't understand what's happening over there. either. <laughs> so that's, that's not a thing. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to. Hey, did you know that you, you can like raise your visible hand and then your zoom hand goes up? I keep forgetting. That <laughs> That
0: was amazing.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, why did that hand just go?
0: Oh, yeah,
1: that happened.
0: Oh, my gosh. Woo well thank you friends for tuning in to pub theology live you can show your love for the show by becoming a supporter on patreon get access to pre and post show banter and more visit patreon.com slash pt live to get started and it's that easy and you'll get all the good content that Ogan already laid out pint glass etc and of course a big thank you to our current patrons our top cities tuning in this week Speaking of Ohio, Lakewood, Ohio. We love Ohio. Nice. (laughs) Costa Mesa, (laughs) California. (laughs) And down under, Sydney, Australia. Bring us down, Sydney. Bring us down. Wow. Awesome. Love it. And of course, you can watch the video of these conversations on Facebook Live. And if you'd like to start a pub theology gathering in your town, find support and resources at pubtheology.com. And until next time, friends, drink responsibly. Keep those conversations flowing.
1: Do All better, right. Brian.